First John chapter 5, verse 6. If you're there, just say amen. Well, my Bible reads it this way. It says, this is he who came by water and blood. Speaking about Jesus Christ now. And then it continues and it says, not only by water, but by water and blood. And then it says, it is the spirit who bears witness because the spirit is truth. Verse 7, for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree. Um, there are three that bear witness. Firstly, in heaven. Talks about the word, the father, the spirit. Amen. But we want to discover why, why the blood. And why is it that we are even told that Jesus did not only come by water, but he came by blood also. What that's trying to say is that just in case, meanwhile, when we're talking about bearing witness, if you check the word to witness, to bear witness, it is indicative of the fact that you are attesting to the, the uh, what's this word, how valid something is. Is anyone hearing me at all? You are testifying of the reality of something. That's what it means to bear witness. So the word bear witness is almost saying that if uh, you wanted to um, know that this is Imprint Church, for instance, on another day you probably would have seen some people outside with some boards that says Imprint Church. Is that making sense to anyone? By reason of what they are doing, you are able to know that you are at Imprint Church. I have to establish that first and foremost. Because I want you to understand how is it that water and blood can prove the reality and the essence of Jesus. Is anyone hearing what I'm saying? This is what we want to establish now. So John speaking, he says, he did not only come by water. He came by the blood also. And then he says, it is the spirit that bears witness to even the two. And the three agree. And I've already established what bearing witness simply means. It means to prove or to confirm by testimony. How does the spirit bear witness? Well, when you check it, you discover that when Jesus was being baptized first and foremost, the Bible says the spirit of God descended upon him in the bodily shape of a dove. That was one of the first signs to show because many other people were calling themselves the Messiah. Just in case you, there was confusion as to who the real Jesus is. You can discover that by reason of what happened at his baptism. I'm trying to explain in a very different kind of language what John is trying to say. He's saying just in case you went at the baptism of Jesus, maybe you went there to witness how that John baptized him with water. 
Maybe you missed that part. That's not the problem. But perhaps you came and you saw the part where the Spirit of God descended upon him in the bodily shape of a dove. But then even if you missed the two, this same Jesus we're talking about is the same Jesus whose blood was shed at various points on his, on his um, journey to, to Calvary. Is anyone hearing me at all? This is the same Jesus whose blood, you know, when you check the scriptures, you discover that when Jesus, the Bible says, when the Roman soldiers pierced his side, what came out? Water and blood. Just in case you miss his baptism, just in case you missed when he was performing the miracles, maybe you missed when uh, his first miracle was performed in Cana, when he turned water into wine. Perhaps you weren't even there because it was invite only. No problem. But on the day when he was crucified, rest assured you were there. And when you were there, you probably saw how that it was water and blood that came out of his side. It's that Jesus who we speak of. I'm just trying to take my time and explain to you what John is trying to say. So John starts off in that way. And he goes, there are three that bear witness on earth. That's 1 John chapter 5, verse 8. The spirit, the water, and the blood. And when you check it, blood is something that, um, how, can you, how, how can you bear witness to something if you're not necessarily able to speak forth? It sounds a bit, a bit illogical because the mere existence of something, it can refute or it can cause confusion as to the validity of something. So even the example I gave about if you came and you saw someone with a signboard and it said imprint, the fact that they're standing outside this venue can bring confusion into their minds. Is that, is, are you hearing what I'm saying? If that person doesn't tell you service is happening in here, you'll probably walk by. Or you understand what I'm, what I'm trying to say. You would probably walk past this place. Why? Because you're not familiar with um, um, this kind of setting. In, 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 in as far as its association with imprint. You would have walked past. Until that person spoke and said, oh, service is happening here. That's only when you would have known. So, on the strength of that kind of example, I want to ask the question again. How is it that something that cannot speak is able to bear witness? Does anyone here understand my question? So I want to take you on a journey very gradually, very gradually. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24. And this is where the message begins. Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. If I can find Hebrews. If you know your Bible, what does Hebrew come after? Oh. <laughs> Hebrews 12. Yes, verse 24. If you're there, just say amen. 
Uh, my Bible reads it, it, it this way. It says, I'll start from verse 22. It says, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God. The heavenly Jerusalem to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. Verse 24. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Someone say, speaks better things. I can't hear you guys. Say, speaks better things. I want to let you know tonight that blood can speak. Just in case you, you are not aware. Blood can speak. Else, we would not be reading that the blood of Jesus is able to speak much better things than the blood of Abel. Before we try to understand what that even means, we have to be settled on the fact that we are being told that this blood it speaks. But what is it speaking for is the question. And there's clearly a comparison and a contrast being made with the blood of Abel. So you don't, want, you, you don't just want to jump to conclusions. You want to firstly discover or I should say even almost do research as to what the blood of Abel is all about. Why is there some kind of comparison being made with the blood of Abel? Amen. How many of you are familiar with the story of Cain and Abel? So very, to, to summarize, you know, to paraphrase, um, or maybe we should even turn to Genesis. Genesis, we do small, small Bible study. And then we'll spend some time praying. Because tonight the blood will speak. Ah, yeah, you don't believe. You don't believe. You don't believe. You don't believe. I said tonight. The blood of Jesus will speak. It's not mere talk. It's a conviction in my heart. Okay, so Genesis, um, I never gave you the scripture, did I? Genesis chapter 4 verse 8. Genesis chapter 4 verse 8. And I'll read it again. It says, um, it says, now Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. So what preceded this, what we just read there, is how that two sons of Adam, you discover that, um, you know, because these were the very early descendants of Adam because they were his very children. And 
They go into the field and they're just working and so forth and so on. They offer sacrifices to the Lord. And the Bible tells us that the sacrifice of Abel, it pleased the Lord. That's a story for another day. Why the sacrifice of Abel pleased the Lord more than the sacrifice of Cain. It's a story for another day. But as we progress in the scriptures, you discover that Cain was clearly taken aback by this. In fact, it, it made them a bit jealous. Let's use that word for now. And on the strength of that jealousy that was brewing in his heart, when they went back into the field, verse 8 makes us understand that Cain killed his brother Abel. In verse 9 it says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. We're talking about blood. I haven't moved away from this topic of blood. And in Genesis chapter 4, verse 8 to 9, we hear that blood is able to cry. How is that possible? And in fact, it was, it was the earth and the blood that had spilt on the earth that revealed to the Lord that Abel had been slayed. Imagine that. Just picture that. It wasn't word of mouth. It wasn't because someone went to the Lord and said, Cain has slaughtered his brother. It was the blood that spilt on the earth that spoke to a God that sits in the highest of heavens and revealed to him that Abel has been slaughtered. Guys, there's, there's power in blood is what I'm saying. And if we, if we fail to understand the, the mystery of blood, just even in general, you will never understand why things um, or issues that have lingered in your family line for decades. And you've witnessed, oh my goodness, you've witnessed generations of your family line go through the same thing You've been praying and you've been praying and you can't seem to understand why this particular trait seems to be a dominant factor in my family. I'm talking about the blood. You, you check certain families, you find out that drinking alcohol, for instance, is a, is a, is a constant in that family line, all the way from, from the 60s up to this day. And unless we get to the bottom of this, you will discover that the devil see, will, will seek to make you become a victim of that bloodline. Is anyone, sounds is a heavy message, I know. Yeah, there'll be no amens today and stuff. Yeah. No problem. No problem. Hmm. Someone said the bloodline. Things can be running through your family. <laughs> You've been fasting and praying and it, nothing's happening. You don't even know how lust came to overwhelm your soul. You woke up one day 
you were on fire for God. The next day, seems as if sometimes it's not because of what you saw necessarily. I'm just trying to bring in another perspective. It might just be something that's in your bloodline. And until you capture the power of the blood, you will never know how to defeat those things. Because although certain things could be running through your bloodline, we read in Hebrews 12, 24 to 29, how that there is a blood that speaks much better things than the blood of Abel. See, God is trying to take the service away from me. That's why I'm struggling at the moment. The message could end right here. Because I'm sensing some of you, you see, I didn't even plan to speak about bloodline. No, it was not part of my message. But here we are. Because God wants to deliver your family tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Chains will break. Chains, chains will break. Chains will break. There are things in people's family bloodline here. And some of you are mere victims of it. Mere victims. In fact, oh, you, you have no idea what's happening. Have you done a, a probe in search in your family and discovered that when people get married after one year, they, they file for a divorce? Maybe that's the, the pattern in your family line. I want to let you know is that's not normal. It's not the will of God is what I'm saying. And until you stand on your two feet and rebuke that trend, speaking and confessing the blood of Jesus over your family, you will also become a mere victim. And I pray that may never be your story in Jesus' name. So we're still talking about Cain and Abel. But meanwhile, that blood of um, Abel was a blood that was crying for vengeance. Yes, blood can speak. Okay, we've established that now. But now we need to identify what is the blood speaking for and what is it trying to communicate. The blood of Abel was a blood that was crying for vengeance. The blood of Jesus is not, is not the same. The blood of Jesus cries out for mercy. The blood of Jesus cries out for freedom, forgiveness, redemption. It breaks the yoke. I'm trying to extract the comparison that was being made in the scripture we read. Because he said, he said, we've come unto the sprinkling of the blood that speaks much better things than the blood of Abel. Amen? 
And I'm saying the reason why it speaks much better things than the blood of Abel is because the blood of Abel, all it was able to do and all it will ever be able to do is cry for vengeance. Meanwhile, the blood of Jesus speaks much better things than the blood of Abel. I want to pick your brains for a minute because it just dropped in my heart now. I want to just, it might be a rhetorical question, but hopefully it gets you thinking. Have you ever wondered? Many people die every single day. Amen? Many people die every single day. But why is it that when certain people die, or when they are, let me even use the terminology, killed unlawfully, there seems to be some kind of chaos, some kind of uproar, some kind of cry for justice, some kind of cry for revenge. I'll leave you with that parable. It's a parable when you go home. Let the Lord explain that one to you. No, but think about it. Is anyone hearing what I'm saying at all? If, you know, because everyone, people die every day. But some people, the moment they die, it's as if revenge must happen today. I'm trying to let you know the reason for that. Is, is the capacity of the blood to speak. Yeah, blood can cry for justice. Blood can cry for vengeance. On that note, I even want to also highlight to you all that was happening in recent times, as m many of you would know, in um, Nigeria, for instance, and all other parts of the world, tr truthfully speaking. But you discover <laughs> that it seems as if everything, everything's, um, you know, everyone's going about their normal day, and then one day, out of nowhere, there's a cry for justice. Why is that the case? I want to let you know all the blood that had been spilled on that land many years ago, perhaps even a day before, maybe two weeks ago. Those that that blood that spilled on that land is what was crying for justice. If you're still with me, just say amen. So that's the comparison that's being made with the blood of Abel. And I want to let you know that um, there is power in the blood. I want to give you at least three things that the blood is able to do, and then we're going to spend some time praying. So if you're taking notes, the blood gives us access to redemption. So someone say redemption through the blood. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. Redemption through the blood. Your very salvation was procured on the strength and power of the blood of Jesus. Without the blood, there is no salvation, is what I'm saying. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. My emphasis is the fact that we have redemption through the blood. 
it's true that you know with the heart one believes unto righteousness but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation it's true but what made that very thing possible is the blood of Jesus it's not you know because um, the issue is um, and this is the reason why it's possible for um, I say this in a very meek way it's very very possible for someone to believe in God today and reject him tomorrow very possible do you know why? Because you were never taught what, let me even say that behind the scenes, it was never explained to us. We were never told that it's not merely just responding to an auto call. I'm trying to bring your mind somewhere now. It's, scripture is true with the heart. One believes unto righteousness with the mouth. Confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10, 10. It's true. I take nothing away from the scripture. But I want to let you know that what makes that very Romans 10, 10 possible is something that happened behind the scenes. Are you following me now? And what happened behind the scenes is how that the blood of Jesus was shed for you and I. On the cross. If you don't, un if you're not told that, you can make light of an otoko. So today, someone says they're a Christian. Tomorrow, they're not a Christian. And that's all. That's that's. I mean, we go through a lot of challenges in life. But my prayer for each and every single one of us is that God will help us to catch a revelation of how precious this blood is. When you realize what had to happen for you and I to be sitting here now, having fellowship with God, you will value your very salvation experience. You will make light of the fact that you say you are a Christian. Because someone had to die for you to be able to confess those things. The power of the blood. And I just felt the need to just emphasize that. God wants to raise people that are not just carried away by the nice light and maybe is the worship that that does it for you. You know, there's this thing, is the so-and-so for me. <laughs> Someone says, is the, is the hair for me? <laughs> you know? What is it for you? Is it the music? Maybe. And that's cool. Worship is amazing. Connects you to the very heart of God. But is that, is, that, is that it? What is it for you is the question. Is it the fact that you came and you saw some friends 
that you, you don't get to see during the week. And so maybe Sunday is the perfect time to have fellowship with them. Is that what does it for you? In the context of Christianity, that's also fair enough. But like I said, I believe God wants us to, to bring us to a point where we're not mis, miscarried or, or, or even misled or, or distracted, dare I say, by these very mundane things. You need to, to, to latch on to the reality of, of what this Christian experience is about. Amen. So we have redemption through the blood. That's the first point. The blood sets us free from the curse of the Lord. The Bible says in um, Galatians 3.13. The blood is the blood that does that. It's not the good vocabulary. You can pray in the tongues you want. But what makes even those tongues have power <laughs> is the blood. It's the blood that's speaking. The song is true. It's nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing. So, so we are redeemed from the curse of the law. And, and someone might maybe ask, what is the curse of the law? To put it very simply, is all the possible consequences that one would have faced upon breaking the law of the old covenant, such as death, many, many other things, many curses, a lot of sicknesses, for instance. Amen? This, this is what Scripture is trying to call the curse of the law. And the Bible is saying that the blood has redeemed us from all of these things. What that means, ladies and gentlemen, is that if you even have a sickness now. That blood that is able to speak much better things than the blood of Abel is able to heal you. Because we've been set free from the curse of the law. You are not supposed to be sick is what I'm saying. You are not supposed to be depressed God said to me some weeks ago, he said, stop entertaining weakness. Sounds very harsh, I know. But you know what? He only said that to me because he wanted to draw my attention to what the world is shaping up to become. At this moment in time in the life that we are living now, it is more common to be afraid than to have faith in God. is more common to believe you have a mental problem than to declare healing over your mind. That's the, my goodness, that's the life we're living now. And so in the, in, in the realm of mental health these days, and trust me, I am a heavy advocate for mental health. So I'm not making any kind of statement here. But I'm just trying to let you know something. In a world where now is so much about 
is that we're, we're just entertaining weakness. I don't know how else to phrase it, but I'm sure you understand what I'm saying. It's more common for someone to tell you or to make an excuse for you and, and just have you in your own little shell kind of thing rather than to speak words of life into you that will make, make you explode and come back to life. It's easier to complain than to rejoice in the Lord. We're living in that, those moments now. Check it after you leave this place. And how will we ever manifest as sons of God? As the Bible says, we so would. If this is the posture that the world is trying to beat us into. Amen. We, we, need, to, we, need, we need to be empowered in our inner man. And I, I really pray that for you. Because of time, just want to give you some other quick points. We gain healing through the blood. Isaiah 53 verse 5 makes us understand that by his stripes, we were healed. No, we are being healed or maybe we will be healed. We were healed. That means it has been already procured. It is set in stone. There's nothing that can be changed about it. And so on the strength of this realization, what you want to do is that whenever you find that you are sick in body, in in, in, in mind and any other part of your being, you speak and confess the blood of Jesus over that situation. Is anyone hearing me at all? You speak life into that situation. We receive healing through the blood. We receive protection through the blood of Jesus. If any one of you is familiar with the story in the book of Exodus chapter 12 verse 13, you will discover that God instructed Moses to slay a lamb without blemish and put the blood of that lamb upon the doorpost of every Israelite because the angel of death would have been passing by. And if that angel did not see the blood upon the doorpost of these individuals, you would have been slayed by this angel of death. And so essentially, the angel of death just bypassed any doorpost that had the blood upon that doorpost. This lamb we speak of in Exodus 12, 13 is not a lamb as it were. That very lamb is Jesus. Scripture makes us understand that this lamb was even slain before the foundations of the, of the world. It's Jesus who that scripture is talking about. Amen? So, the blood of Jesus essentially is what I'm saying. It gives us protection. So, I'm going to say protection. And the blood also gives us authority over the devil. Revelations chapter 12 verse 11. The Bible says that they overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They overcame. The context of the scripture is how that they what? They overcame. And how did they do that? By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. 